Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. And yes, it's our first episode of 2024. I'll spare you all the how's the start of the year been and how was your Christmas because we're here to get straight back into films. The calendar doesn't affect us here at the Glacé Film Club podcast. We're always there watching the big releases. But one of the exciting things about January is a lot of films coming out ready for the awards season, the run. We talk about it each year, how you get those big releases in January. And we're excited to dive into all of those. You won't be able to keep us away from the Cinema. And of course, when I say we, I'm not here sat on my own ranting about films. As much as that would be a show that appealed to me hours and hours and hours of me ranting about films, we need a bit of balance. And of course, that balance comes in the form of my good friend, man who loves films and loves ranting as much as I do about them. It is Callum. Callum, how are you doing? Very well. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, I know we said we weren't going to do the, you know, the pleasantries of a happy new year, but... Welcome to January. New year, new us. Thank you. Well, yeah. maybe that's a better way of framing it. Welcome to January. Yeah. It's all, it's all about lingu- It's all about vernacular and linguistics. Um, well, I think let's look at it this way. Rather than looking um, in the past and saying, uh, how was the start of the year? How, yeah. how was your Christmas? I think we're, we're a bit into the year for that now. Let's see what we're looking forward to. As I mentioned then, there's some big releases coming out this month and one of them we're covering today. But what are your film taste buds tingling about at the moment? I'm really looking forward to seeing the All of Us Strangers movie. Um, very much looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, the new uh, Emma Stone movie that we were talking about briefly off mic. That's that's going to be fun. Um, there's another movie as well about uh, it's an A24 movie about the Holocaust, which I mean I was going to say it looks good, but I'm not. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> the right adjective to describe it with really, but it it looks uh, very interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean beyond movies, I've got a few gigs coming up which I'm looking forward to. Um, oh, it's always nice to hear about your, your gig trail. Who have you got lined up? Yeah, I'm going to see uh, a band called Spanish Love Songs. And I'm also going to see a band called The Menzingers, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. Um, yeah, I think, and you know, a good favourite of yours that have cropped up now and again. Yeah, they're great. I have really got into them over this last year. Um, they're from uh, South Philly, I think, Philadelphia. Um seen them a couple of times, but they're playing at the Electric Ballroom in Camden, and um, I'm going on the Friday and the Saturday. Wow, um, that I know, is some yeah. dedication. Well, the tickets were, I think they were about 20 quid. Um, so why not get two? Why not, exactly, yeah. Um, so I'm going on the Friday and the Saturday. I might have to get two T-shirts. Well, it wouldn't be a, yeah. a visit to some kind of event for you unless if you didn't get the merchandise. Yeah, it's all about the merch. You know, actually, it's just, you know, what you come away with to say that you've been there rather than... Exactly, exactly. Rather than actually being Couldn't there. care about the actual experience. Um, <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be fun. Have you got anything coming up? Or what, are your, what are you looking forward to? Well, I was looking for a few gigs, but um, my next few months are getting booked up quite a bit socially. It turns out... A lot of people are getting married and having birthdays, and then mm. you end up filling up a lot of social spots, which I'm very excited about. But uh, there's a few gigs I did want to go to, and and they're on 
busy days, unfortunately. So I've got to hold fire. I really want to go and watch Bleachers, but they're only doing, I think, four or five dates in the UK, and it's all sold out. So hopefully that will get extended into a wider tour. We'll check that out. And the new Bombay Bicycle Club albums had a lot of great reviews, and I've really enjoyed them in the past, and I've started listening to it last week, really enjoying that. But again, sold out uh, tour. So... Maybe, maybe I'll end up seeing some, but going back to the cinema stuff, Callum, mm. I mentioned to you earlier, I really wanted to hit the ground running and actually go into the cinema this year. Obviously, we do cover a lot of new releases, but last year, checking out a lot of trailers for stuff coming out in January of 2024, a lot of big releases, and there was a worry and a rumor in the industry that they'd be low on films because of all the writers' strikes that went on last year. But actually, the run that's coming out at the moment is very exciting, and I don't want to miss any of them actually at the cinema. So I think in January, it's going to be at least a once-a-week trip for me. And it started off really well this year, thoroughly enjoying it. Which, before we get going, I know you mentioned to the back end of last year, Callum, that you got yourself involved with a Curzon membership. No, not through a sponsorship, but that was off your own back. How has that been so far, your first yeah. first months of being a Curzon member? Have they rolled out the red carpet for you? It, it, it's just a, it is a nice cinema space. Um, you know, like, I... Which ones? We can drop some names here. So the one in Camden, I, I enjoy that one. Um, just because each, each uh, screen is under a railway arch. Which is cool, isn't it? That is cool, yeah. yeah. A bit of architectural coolness to the cinema, which is that's the type of thing that attracts people like you and I. I quite like the um, the sort of the the opposing nature of it as well, as pretentious as that, as pretentious as that sounds, um, because like it's such a, a quiet space, really calm space in an area that is always absolutely. It's like a really loud area. It's very in your mm-hmm. face. So yep. to step out of the cinema, this quiet sort of sanctuary, to then step out into, um, you know, Apocalypse Now, uh, which Camden can be um, on some, yeah. on many of an evening. Pick it in the right moments. Yeah, it's just I quite like that sort of con- that contrast in, in that respect. Um, the one in Soho is quite nice. The one in Soho is good so that I've been seeing it when after work. Because again, like I quite like the the bar area that they've got going on the one in Soho. Um which is quite a nice little space. Uh I think my I'm gonna go to the one in Bloomsbury next, I think. That sounds nice. Bloomsbury What about Bloomsbury's what about nice. Hoxton? I haven't been to the one in Hoxton actually. Um because for the listeners, um, if you've not listened to it already, there is an interview with um, Director of Programme and Sales Distribution at Curzon, Damien Spanley, which I recorded at the Hoxton Curzon. That's a little seg- segue there. Check it out in the archive. Absolutely, yeah. The Hoxton one, um, the screenings, I, it's one of those things I might go to at a weekend. Um, I've, I've only... Some like the ones that are a bit more central offer a bit more variety of screenings just because of the I think presumably their location, um, but yeah the Hoxton one will be on my list. That's the thing like being a member you can go to all of them. I mean you can still go to all of them without well, being yeah, a member. I mean, <laughs> like, you're not bad, yeah, unless you've done something hideous <laughs> at one of them. But it, it it's just the uh, it just feels like a nice sort of thing to do. Use one my my tickets in each of the. <laughs> 
each of the the various ones. Um, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, wonderful. Well, it's thank you for sharing, Callum. I'm sure we'll keep up with your experience as a Curzon member and see where it takes you. Will it keep you there? Will it lead you to different pastures? Who knows? But let's keep that journey updated as we go through the year. But let's go through the year, Callum. Now we're starting the first episode, and I teased before that, of course, it's a big month of film releases with the award season running. We've had the Golden Globes. We've still got the Oscars and BAFTAs to come up. But we are going in with a big release. It was out, I believe, on the 1st of January, getting in hot on the new year. But, Callum, that's my bit. Can you give us your overview, please, and let us know what we're going to be reviewing today? We went to see One Life um a really moving story about um a british humanitarian uh, called sir nicholas winton um and it follows his uh, efforts in the 1930s to try and save uh, refugees basically um largely jewish um chechen refugees um and it sort of it starts off by him going to visit a refugee camp in Czechoslovakia um, because he's friends with a group of uh, humanitarians who are part of the British Czechoslovakia refugee programme. And it follows his story of trying to save these Jewish children, basically, um, in German-occupied Czechoslovakia between 1938 and 1939. the film focuses largely on Hitler's invasion of the Sudetenland um, and then uh, sort of shows the acceleration of the evacuation program right up until the invasion of Poland in 1939. Um, it's a movie that is kind of about, uh, I think it's one for the ages in which we live. I mean, this the crisis that this, this movie focuses on isn't... Uh, you know, uh, something that belongs to the past. It's something that is happening right now, isn't it? And I think that's one of the reasons why it's um, such a powerful movie, using the past to sort of explain the what's happening in the present, really. Um, uh, but the actual the actual character, well, he's not well played by Anthony Hopkins and Nicholas Winton. Again, really great performance by Anthony Hopkins as well. I mean, it's such a good performance by him. Um, used to sort of seeing him in rather disturbing uh sort of horror psychologically demanding films but this one completely different character much more sort of tender or much more um reflective character than his other films i think he i think it could be one of his best performances that i've seen him in actually um but sir nicholas winton who he plays was a british stockbroker and um the reason why he was able, I suppose, to buy help in the kinder transport is largely because of his um, connections and his and his and his um, his friends that were various lawyers and and money men. But I think the point is, it shows what an act, how a what starts off as a relatively small act turns into something so much more uh, profound. He goes from saving twenty children and ends up saving over six hundred. Um, and it's such a moving film that I think is speaks to speaks to the times really in which we live. Um, looking at a quite a famous piece of history, um, often overlooked. I think every like 
you know, any sort of student of history or might know about it, but any some someone who just everyone knows who Hitler was and what he did, but to actually sort of tell a biography biography of something that had an impact on so many people's lives. Because what I think it also does is that it kind of um it talks about the six hundred people who were saved, but then it, it, it talks about their families that they have because they've been saved. So in reality, um one human life is worth hundreds. Um and I think that's the the main power of the film. Um that's one life. And the strap line that um gets mentioned in it and is used a lot in the trailer is save one life, change the world. Exactly. Exactly. Um yeah, that's one life. Thank you, yeah. Callum. As always, for a lovely overview there, straight in my initial thoughts on it were that, yeah, the emotion is captured unbelievably in it. And I think the plot of this film is relatively linear in the sense of, obviously, the structure of it throws back and forth between the past and the present of the present day of where the film's set in the late 1980s but the linear nature of the plot is like there's nothing necessarily unpredictable that happens in the plot they, they build a little bit of drama with that ninth train element that didn't make it with the final uh, convoy of children on board but it isn't as if like if i were to then go and tell someone exactly what happens in the plot i would have ruined the film for them because you can see where the film's going Obviously, it's a historical event, so you know a lot surrounding it, but that's not the success of the film. It's not a drama in the sense that you're on the edge, you see, how is this going to play out? The success of it is the emotion it manages to capture. And of course, it's based on a true story, which is a very emotional story anyway. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a slam dunk of a film that you just tell the story and therefore it's going to be emotional and a great watch. But this just heightens it. And it's very hard to describe um, exactly how it does that because even though I'm sat there in the cinema watching this film, kind of knowing where it's going, those moments of emotional drama absolutely strike you and yeah i was in tears in the cinema like overwhelming emotion at numerous points you could feel it and it just it really hits you like especially when he's uh, on the tv show like those elements there again you know what's going to happen but as soon as he goes oh could you stand up if if nicholas uh impacted your life and you're like okay all these people stand up bang it gets you so the film does really well quite subtly because it's not um melodramatic it doesn't overplay its hand in the story because obviously anything set in that era set during the war well just before the war in this case has a lot of action drama heightened tension it doesn't I was listening to a interview with the director and he said that the word that they gave to both actors playing him in the past and, and the later day was restraint. Don't overdo this story. Let the emotion come through. Play it with restraint, but almost in a kind of British stoic way. And I think that comes through in the sense that that's what the drama's about. It's this wealthy British guy who you wouldn't necessarily place as somebody is like a kind of underdog hero but he's trying to fight his way through to use the power and influence he's got and privilege to help these people because he's just so struck by the emotion and he is struck by the emotion the character and you then become struck by that emotion as the audience and i think regardless of what the film has in terms of plot or 
how it retells the story. It just structures it and delivers it in a way where you feel that emotion so much. And if a film can give you that powerful emotion when you are sat there in the cinema watching it, I think that's unbelievable. So, yeah, I think that, for me, is the biggest win of the film, is that emotional intensity it manages to get going. What about you, Callum? There's the emotion there. Firstly, I want to know how that struck you, but beyond that, what other elements of the film stood out to you? I mean, yeah, like, I found it um, quite traumatic um, to watch. Not necessarily a, a bad way, um, you know, I'd certainly watch the film again. It was just incredibly moving to just to have that emotion of because the purpose of it is it's like it's like one guy and he's kind of like bumbling around his 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 home in his retirement, um, and he's you know there's that scene when he's burning his belongings, um, and there's an element of. It's just, you know what it is? It was the sort of the inevitability of time, I think, and how, you know, everyone's life is just a um, collection of stuff. And when he's clearing out his office in particular, um, and he's got all these these records of his old charity work, and then he's got his um, friend's uh, satchel that died from the Nazis, and he's got his old scrapbook looking at all the children that he saved and the photographs of him as a young man carrying out this humanitarian work and it just got me thinking about just the inevitability of time and just how finite one's life is and when he's in the back garden burning his belongings just trying to clear out the the office to make way for his granddaughter that's his grandchild that's coming into the world i just thought it was so incredibly moving you know what it reminded me of it reminded me a lot of when um, my brother and i were clearing out my our granddad's office actually um, and sort of that that moment when um, someone who you respected in your life is is died, and then you're so, you're having to sort of like clear out their life. And Nicholas Winton's life was extraordinary, and the film is about what he and his colleagues achieved in such a pivotal moment in European history. Um, but it, it 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 comes across as like he was just another individual doing something that he thought was important. And what you said there, what the director was talking about in terms of restraint, I think Anthony Hopkins plays that so well um, in conceptualising who Nicholas Winton was. Um, I mean, emotion in particular, largely because I just saw so much what's happening in the contemporary. Like, there's refugee crises sweeping across the world and you know, when we talk about the refugee crises in the 1930s, we talk about it as if it's something that's, you know, a relic of the past and, you know, the defeat of Nazism. There's this sort of like historical narrative whereby we talk about the defeat of Nazism as if it's something that's part of the past. And actually, the humanitarian work that Nicholas Winton and the rest of his colleagues did is very much speaks to our present in so many ways. So it was the sort of it was the weight of history that got me, I think. Um, I think it was the fact also that I'd... The past two books that I'd read were about this as well, about sort of um, a kid from the kinder transport trying to understand his identity. And then the other book that I read was about uh, a writer who who had to flee from Frankfurt to escape the Gestapo. I'd just finished teaching the Holocaust at work as well. 
And then I saw a dog limping in the street after the film. <laughs> Quite hungover as well. So there was all, Barrage yeah, there was all, all the uh, all the mecha- all the sort of the mechanisms were in place for me to have a have a bit of a cry in the cinema. Which you know the film was incredibly moving in that respect. But again, anyway, joking aside, like it's an incredibly powerful film about um, how the actions of a group of like-minded sort of um, humane, actually, people. There's an element, it focused on the humanity of it all, which is difficult, you know, not to. It would have been very easy, I think, for this film to go down a a sort of, um, oh, this is a fight against the Nazis. But actually, it was, I think it was more about a fight, it was more of a story about sort of, yes, obviously fighting against an evil, but also... I think it was more about just appealing to humanity. It was almost assuming that... Yeah, there wasn't necessarily an out-and-out adversary in the film because... Yeah, the, exactly. Obviously, yeah. there was the overwhelming presence of the Nazis and then what was to come in the war, but then there was the mild adversary of the British government and the foreign office and trying to... Well, the home office trying to get people in. Yeah. But that wasn't played as like a big enemy. It was more... they, The guy you were speaking to there... Um, when he was getting the visas for the children, was well on board with what he was doing once they got going. It was more, oh, how can, when people come together, we can make stuff happen that actually everyone wants to. And I think he says in it, as when we see him as a younger man, it's like there's a there's a scene where he first goes there and he's like, if people... Um, oh, so when they're talking in the, in the bar afterwards and they're drinking um, some schnapps and they're like, they've got to get... Um, homes for everyone and fifty pounds put up, and they went, "Oh well, I don't think the welcome's going to be as warm as you think." And well, if good British people knew about this, I reckon people would be more disgusted than they think. So he gets like uh, he gets that feeling built up bit uh, within him, and it's not necessarily the adversary. It's more like how can someone bring people together who all want the same thing in an essence. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a. I mean, he repeatedly says, doesn't he, that he has so much faith in the public and the ordinary people. Because, of course, he says, you know, he says in the bar, doesn't he, it's like, you have a lot of faith in, well, one of his colleagues says to him, you have a lot of faith in people, don't you, in ordinary people. Yeah. And then he goes, well, yes, because I'm one of those ordinary people. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's, it's so it's such an optimistic way of looking at the world, isn't it? And I think that's why it's just so um, emotionally uh, laden because it just addresses the theme of helping a fellow human being as common sense. And I think you juxtapose that with, you know, what's happening in the world. It gets you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the film then goes on to explore, obviously, him as an older man, but the guilt he carries with him and that guilt comes from the fact that he couldn't do more. So let's go back to that line that I referenced at the beginning that was used heavily in the the promotional and in the trailer of save one life, change the world. So this is Mm. what I think the film, its core, is battling with, is you've got his guilt that he feels that he should have and could have done more, and that weighs heavy on him. And he thinks about, and he goes on then to speak even more about that ninth train that didn't make it. And that weighs on him that those children never got there and, and most of them 
were killed as a result of it and that he sees that as a result whereas the flip side of it the positive outlook is well if you can save one life you change the world and then you see that obviously of his appearance on the show and then all of the knock-on effects of that and I think that the film's got a very positive conclusion because I think he makes his peace with that by the end and we see that when he's hosting at his house and one of the children that he saved her family uh, that she went on to have her there and he seems to be more zen about it and more at peace with it but that the film taking it apart from his story is looking at that it's that notion of and i think the film is pushing the positive view of like look if you can make an impact no matter how small that is a positive yes there is the downside of there can always be more done and that's what weighed heavy on him but don't let that stop you from doing something positive and i think the film very much comes at it with a message with an agenda obviously as you say trying to push that in the modern day as well but at the core of the film yes there's the narrative the classic british historical drama which i think is done very well but it's the bigger nature is exploring that battle that he has internally and how that plays out more as a philosophical attitude on life so I think that again pulls into how high the emotion of the film is and how well it's done. And I just want to go back to what you were saying before about Anthony Hopkins' performance. And let's not forget the performance uh, who's playing the the young Nicholas Winton, Johnny Flynn, done very well as well. But I think the film is a great example of filmmaking minimalism and i love a film that has this kind of minimalist outlook and one of the restrictions when we're rounding this off will be that it didn't go that far into some of the other stories and there's more it could have done in other areas but i love a film and the word restraint comes back again that goes out in a minimalist way and goes here's a story we're telling let's not hammer it home too hard let's just tell the story because i feel that often the notion is that you need to give an angle on it you need to tell it in a certain way so you know it's not just like a drama version of a documentary but no this does then it does it in a in a beautiful way and it brings to mind not as well done but when we reviewed a few years ago the um the dig Mm. which was a british historical drama set at a similar time but it was kind. Of, it was very restrained, uh, restrained in what it did. It told the story, it gave a view of it, had a little bit of drama. It was very good. But I think this is done even better. But it doesn't have to be overly embellished. And I think that that's what the British historical drama, when done very well, does very well, is that restrained minimalist approach to filmmaking and that is excellent in this case and that's why i think the emotion is so raw because it's not hidden behind any other um dramatized subplots that are there just for the drama it's there it's telling the story well performed beautifully it's not over the top and i think that is fantastic on that front yeah no i agree i I was i was also going to say there's um the way hopkins I said earlier it was a quite a reflective response and quite a meditative response. His performance, I mean. Um, I quite like the little quips that are made as well by his character. Like the um the bit in the the start of the film when he's uh, counting the pennies um from his charity collection boxes, which again is a very sad moment, I think. Um 
That's everything about it is sad. Um, to well, that's the thing. Like, but I think it can be looked at in two ways, and that's the point of it. Is like, yes, that is. It feels a bit sad and down. That, but the flip of it is there is a joyous, optimistic view of seeing an elderly man counting a, f- a few pounds that he's collected from a charity collection because it's like, isn't that wonderful that somebody has the drive to to want to do that and and help in any way? Yeah, indeed. And yeah, well, you know, I, I was going to sort of caveat that with it was saying like when he's listening to the radio and they're talking about um, the economy crashing. And he goes, oh, well, that's what happens when you deregulate. Um, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was quite funny. And then when he goes to the newspaper this uh, and tries to get the editor to run the story, um, he's like, oh, I don't really see our story. I don't really see the town's story and what you're trying to say. And then, of course, when it eventually goes on the, the, sh- the BBC show That's Life, the reporter comes almost kind of crawling back to him, begging to have the story in this in this newspaper because he's now realized that the story has 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 commercial weight and i think that's yeah. something that the film grapples with quite a lot actually in the sense that like it's trying it's putting forward this idea that um people should care about something because it, it not not just because it's on in a newspaper or because it's on television because he talk or because it's in a library because he says these and and set set in the eighties as well, the modern day, like yeah. the real rise of individualism. Yes, exactly that sort of that sort of rugged individualism, which more of an American phenomenon, but it was certainly of 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 it was certainly there in the in in British in the British nineteen eighties. Mm. Um, and he you know when he takes it when he takes the collection to a researcher, um, he says that he doesn't want it to be in a in a library collecting dust on a shelf and there's a sort of uh there's a, a, a sort of an aching assumption there that that's what will happen to this, these stories of these people um and i think the film does a very good job in ensuring that actually um those stories are not casually lost and i think there's a certain self-awareness there, in exactly, the film that, there as that's well the point. I mean, yeah that's that, yeah that's exactly what i mean there is a self-awareness for sure which really taps into something I feel passionate about as well, of like telling stories that should be heard, but in a format and medium that people can connect with and relate to. And I think this is a fantastic example of of just doing that. Mm. Um, And also give a little nod um, to the ITV uh, drama at the minute, Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, which has got a very similar mindset and has now forced... Uh, the hand of the government to, to make a political change in something, but a very good watch nonetheless. But anyway, that's a different discussion. I just want to get onto before we wrap up Callum, as it's a quite a big part of the film, but the appearance on This Life, is it called? Yeah, uh, that's, the, the that's, show that's, that's on. Life, I think. Okay, so his, his appearance on that on the BBC. So obviously this is a historically uh, accurate moment, and that's kind of what brought to prevalence a lot of this as well. There's a bit. Conf- I'm a bit conflicted with that because obviously that brings a lot of emotion. That point, and that's the kind of advertised hook of it. That's it's a bit of the premise of the film that brings people in, and definitely that's where I felt a lot of raw emotion. But the film within it, this this BBC show is is portrayed as being a bit naff and cheesy, and then also he is kind of like 
thrust at him, like they dupe him over a bit, don't they? Mm. To go, oh, just come here, watch this, so to make sure it's accurate, and then they throw these people on him like this to make this big TV moment, which is lovely and nice, and there's loads of emotion, but at the same time, it's a little bit false and cheesy because it's like, oh, look, we've got them now here for you to like, do this and show you that, and it's kind of against what he stands for in this idea of like quietly getting on and and uh, doing good, whereas obviously they're doing it for the good of their TV show rather than it being a, a positive thing. And obviously something positive comes out of it, but um, I feel that his reaction to that is that he's quite sceptical at first. And of course he gets on board with it, and I think it's all positive and stuff like that, but I feel like there should be a bit more played in the film of like his a bit scepticism of how the TV show thrust all this on him and put it in the spotlight like without in knowing and made it a bit of a thing because then he just rocks up straight away and they kind of do it again. There's that like they're in the film saying how it's a bit forced cheesy TV show and they do that. So I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I'm not even saying in real life that was a bad thing. But I think the film, after showing his scepticism of all of that, doesn't really deal too much with his aftermath thoughts of that show. It just goes straight into rattling through these key emotional pieces and then we get through it, which is fine, works for the plot. But that's my only big critique, really, is that I would want to see a bit more of like his... Um, reaction to how he gave basically these evidence over and before you know it he's been like thrust into a TV show and made like this national story but I think that's my only big criticism of it what I want to put to you is what you think of that but what you think that section of the film does and is there for to kind of push this plot along well I mean like obviously it happened Um, so yeah of course like yeah so it has to be has to be shown. I think it's um I think it's more of a comment on sort of like sort of modernity. I don't really want to sort of like try and find something that isn't necessary that might not no, necessarily keep be find, there. Callum, keep trying to find um, but like particularly in the nineteen eighties you have a sort of a it's like a you know it's like it's the growth of a sort of television, isn't it? Like there's you know there's several channels, new channels that are being created, and shows like that, you know, historically there was only three channel. Well, sorry, there's only one channel, wasn't there? So everyone got the same information from the same network, and then there was two channels, and then there was three. And it's like information and how you interpreted the world was much more streamlined than it is today. So like now there's you know there's you know the pluralism etc. There's there's so many angles and answers to so many there's so many questions there's always five or six answers to every question that you ask or every idea that you ask whereas historically in britain every the entire population consumed information via a very narrow entertainment uh box um so having this story portrayed on a television program like that's life that had you know tens of thousands of um or, well, not tens of thousands, you know, it reached 15 to 20 million people, you know, how else were you going to get people to take note of something that happened? Yeah, well, I'm not I'm not criticising that element. No, I know. I, 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 obviously, that history I know, happened. I, I know, I know. But the, the point I'm... The wider point I'm making is that, like, the film, um, I think, does kind of deal with it a little bit in the sense that he's, okay. he says... He's like, because his wife says, "Oh, that's a, that's a silly show," and he goes, "Yeah, but it's viewed by lots of people." So, and it is a bit. He, he's kind of 
he's kind of like sabotaged and ambushed at that point. But you know, I imagine that was the sort of the the sort of the the glamour of the show. It was like that was that type of oh my god, look what yeah. it was like. It was yeah, like yeah. it was like the early, I suppose, um, sort of reality show in a way. You know. Well, um, like I just think that the film then runs with this like almost false romanticism that the the TV show itself wants to I portray. See. Whereas right. I rather than afterwards actually giving a little bit of time to deal with like the more real reaction and like what his thoughts would have been to the BBC or Oh, like, I see what you're saying. Bit, whereas like it goes after that it's all like joyous and everything and he sees them all and it's all wonderful. Which is obviously how it probably played out in many parts, but I just think that he would have in real life there'd been more of a of an element there. It kind of it criticizes this T V show a bit and is is a bit skeptical of it, but then runs with their like narrative and and view of it all which is fine I mean, it's, it's a small element i just from mm. where the film had gone so far i thought there was something to be done there but let's wrap up callum mm. as we've had a good go at this we've gone on for a while let's give our closing thoughts and comments and our marks out of 10 i'll start us off and then you can see us out callum from the first episode of the new year so as i said i thought this film was really good and the biggest success of it was the emotion that it manages to capture. It was m- minimalist in the way that it attacks the story, but I think that's fantastic. It doesn't give extra melodrama. It doesn't go over the top of anything. Some wonderful performances. It's very beautiful. There's no excess in it. It's a story that's highly emotive, very important, but beautifully told, well acted and i just think the rhythm of the film comes together all the way through there was no points that i felt were labored i think that um the like i said it hit the emotion right at the the points i expected even though knowing you can see what's happening in the film plot wise it still gets you in those moments uncontrollably and i think that's a wonderful success of a film if it can make you feel in the moments it wants to make you feel i said the only real Criticism is what I just mentioned there about how I think it could have done a bit more with the aftermath of the show, but that's only a small bit for me. Overall, really good 9 out of 10. Callum, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 as well. Just because as you were speaking there, I've actually thought of a reason why for 9 out of 10 in terms of a critique. Like, for me, there is just, I forgot to mention this earlier, but there is one thing that um that did annoy me a little bit. It was the fact that, like, it assumed... Obviously, the British state allowed these children to come to Britain, and um, but I feel like it, it, there was certain elements of it where it was just kind of it was. I felt like it was going down this path where it was like, "Oh, thank you for the tolerant British nation." Like the, right, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. that scene when Helen and Bonham Carter um, was like, "Oh, you know, I came over here and I've 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 taught my children British values and all this sort of stuff." I'm just like, "Yeah, well, would the British state have done this without in- enormous pressure from uh, these humanitarians? Probably not." Um, so that was the only thing for me, actually, just on reflection. I just wanted to get that out there whilst it was fresh in my head. Um, but yeah, it was you know it emotionally laid, emotionally driven, you know, emotionally laden. It was just sort of, you know. I think it's a film that speaks to our times in many ways. It's, um, you know, it, it it takes a sort of a traumatic piece of history and makes it so relevant. It's, you know, it's historicized, but at the same time, you can, you would be foolish not to see the parallels with the, with the present. 
Um, and I think it's beautifully acted and uh, well written as well, apart from the sort of the what I said earlier. But yeah, nine out of ten for me. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And we're in agreement that that was a wonderful start to the year. Fantastic film. And um, yeah, let's hope there's plenty more good ones to come. We'll be diving in over the course of January on those big releases that I mentioned. But as the year goes on, we'll be going to some classics and of course some more conversation episodes. We're eager to get to the cinema, eager to watch those films. I'm sure you are as well. We always love hearing from you. Get onto our Instagram at the Glace Film Club. We'll update you on what we've been reviewing there, as well as having a chat with you what you'd like to see us hear us watch and um what you think of the, the reviews that we've given even though obviously we like to think our opinions final we will listen now and again to what others have to say so get <laughs> onto the instagram follow us there um and of course if you like what you heard we'd love a five-star review and wherever you're listening because this helps us get out there you know the drill you've listened to enough podcasts to know how it works please sort that out for us as we want those lovely listeners to come in so we can build the glass a film club up and keep reviewing more and more films but that's that until next time you keep watching films we'll keep watching films and that was another episode of the glass a film club podcast we'll see you all later